0: When courting, a lady was never to take a gentleman's arm unless he offered it. It was improper for a gentleman to offer his arm during the day unless they were engaged. After dark or in places where footing was unsure, it was acceptable for a man to offer his arm to the woman he was escorting, whether or not they were engaged. Protracted good nights were improper. A young woman was to stand outside her home with her escort no longer than five minutes, If it was still early evening when they got home, she could ask him in, but he was not to stay longer than half an hour. In making their departure, couples were supposed to address each other formally. The use of first names was acceptable only for those who had known each other since childhood. For those who met as adults, the use of the prefix Mr. or Miss was standard. In 1889, When asked if it was proper for a young man to ask a young woman to address him by his Christian name at their first meeting, M.S. Logan's answer in the home manual was, Certainly not. It would be a great presumption. The proper gifts for a young man to give a young lady when calling on her were flowers, candy, or a book. Because flowers and candy were perishable, no undue significance was attached to them. In 1870— the editors of Godey's, stated, It is not customary to give presents unless the parties are engaged. This principle was probably ignored. One month later, the same magazine conceded that a woman could accept gifts of trifling value from a man to whom she had been introduced. The reasoning behind this apparent contradiction was that it was better to accept such offerings gracefully than to decline them, Refusal suggested that the woman attached more importance to the gifts than the man meant to convey. A proper young woman could not offer a man a gift until he had given one to her. Women were to be content with simply wishing men a Merry Christmas or sending birthday greetings. The woman's home companion of November 1899 advised, A cordial letter of kind wishes sent to arrive on your friend's birthday would be sufficient to express your remembrance and goodwill. Once a man had initiated an exchange of gifts, a young woman was free to reciprocate within established canons of taste. Ideally, such gifts were to be delicate, artistic, handmade, and inexpensive. A pencil drawing or a trifle from your needle was acceptable. In the late nineteenth century, valentines, like calling cards, could be a vehicle for the hopeful quarter. Elaborate valentines, often imported from Germany, were frequently used to express a deeper emotional involvement. The most popular were known as trick or mechanical valentines. The flat card opened to become a standing model, replete with cupids, doves, hearts, flowers, and sentimental messages. Victorian lovers were urged to remember the practical facet of marriage and to consider both the mental and physical health of their potential mate. Both men and women, or their fathers on their behalf, were urged to consult the family doctor of their lover before proposing or accepting a proposal. Doctors, writers, and clergymen frequently addressed young men, warning them that women were delicate and more susceptible than men to mental illness. If there was any taint of insanity or physical disability in the family history of the prospective spouse, the other lover could end the relationship before it was made public.